Hi, hello. How are you doing today? Welcome back to the podcast. This is the Outlook Industries podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Johnson. Let's get another great guest on the show today. I got I got the opportunity to talk to Sean Miller. He's the action sports director for Pure Canna CBD. And uh, he had a lot of great things to say about the action sports industry and about the positive effects that CBD can have as far as recovery. And I learned a lot about how they synthesize the CBD and how they like extract it and how Pure Canna is different than a lot of other CBD companies in the way that they extract their CBD and uh, the benefits that that can have. I, I definitely learned a lot from Sean today and he had a lot of great things to say about the action sports industry and a lot of insightful information about where he thinks the industry is going and the innovation that needs to be done to get us there. So I definitely learned a lot and enjoyed talking to Sean. So let's get him on the podcast and let's get right into this one, guys. It's the Outlook Podcast. Who are you with the Outlook Podcast? guys welcome back to the outlook industries podcast i hope you guys have been enjoying the show and today i have sean miller on the podcast how you doing sean i'm doing well how you doing today trevor i'm doing great um i just kind of want to first start off with who you are what you do kind of for people who don't know pure canna what pure canna is just that kind of basic stuff um sure so um i myself uh, i'm the action sports director here at pure canna so um, I wear many hats, um, from writing the athletes contracts to the creating marketing collateral to magazine ads to, um, man, you probably name it. I about, I about wear one of those hats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, I'm a, I'm a long time, uh, motocross racer, uh, almost 30 years now. Um, so I've done a lot of that. So I have a lot of experience in action sports industry and I've been very, very fortunate that a lot of my friends growing up went on to action sports industry, uh, jobs as well. So, uh, it's kind of cool that I get to work with all my friends too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how did you kind of end up at Pure Kana? Is this like your, is this your thing? Is it somebody else? They bring you in? How'd that work? Uh, well, it's kind of a funny story. So, um, one of the founders, Jeff, and our, our general manager, Todd, are longtime friends of mine. Um, okay. we're, we're all from a small town in Wisconsin uh, growing up. And so um, the founder, Jeff, he created Pure Kana with his partner, Cody, and um, they started to grow the business. And then uh, they, brought, uh, they brought their friend Todd in as general manager. And then just kind of one night, we... Uh, you know, some buddies caught up for a couple of drinks and, you know, haven't seen each other in a while. And, um, and, uh, we got talking about business and, um, you know, it was kind of over a couple of beers that the, you know, diving into the action sports industry, um, just kind of evolved. Yeah. Cause that, that's kind of an interesting evolution, especially, um, being kind of a newer product on the market, like, uh, CBD stuff. It's weird. Like obviously energy drinks have been doing it forever getting into uh, action sports. I just find it interesting how kind of the CBD market has been moving towards sponsoring action sports athletes. And I'm just kind of like curious where that idea came from and how you take a business to that kind of marketing strategy. 
So, you know, as far as like the energy drink companies and things like that, uh, you know, there's everybody is so focused on performance, right? Whether it's we, we want gear that's vented better, right? We want boots that are safer. We want bikes that are faster. We need, you know, vitamins and pre-workout and energy drinks and all that stuff is performance driven, right? Right. But one of the, one of the biggest things that is, is missed. And I, and I think some of the best trainers in the world have this is that it's not all about performance so fast, right? You can only push your body just so hard till it fails. And so the best guys in the world are finding ways to recover and, that's where the CBD is starting to come in. And, and that was, that was my take on it when we, you know, over those couple, over those couple beers, you know, I was like, Hey, this stuff is perfect for action sports. Cause our bodies are continually beaten up, right? Like broken bones or bruises or soreness, or just from riding training, et cetera. This is, this is perfect for this. And, uh, I don't, I'm obviously not the, uh, originator of that idea is there's, you know, we're all kind of, reaching for that market share uh right yeah. but um but that is kind of the direction of some of the top cbd companies as you know we're discovering that this is huge for athletes um and while you know we can still uh depending on who makes you know who produces the cbd uh you can still pass the water tests and things like that which is a huge issue yeah okay cool because it's like a lot of action sports athletes and athletes in general, they, they worry so much yeah, about performance and there's just not that push for recovery. But if you want to keep performing at your top level, you need to be recovering. So oh, absolutely. That's really important. So kind of how did you get into motocross and where did you grow up and, and what's more about you? Um, so, I, like I said, I grew up in a small town in Wisconsin. Um, my father was a professional racer in the seventies and things like that. Um, so when I was two, maybe three years old, like I'm, I had my first snowmobile, uh, and then like I had, gosh, I think I had one of those death, tra- death trap three wheelers, uh, like when oh, I was yeah. like six and then, uh, went from there to had a four wheeler when I was like seven and like my first dirt bike right around age eight ish something like that so it kind of evolved um but kind of growing up outside of town uh we had you know we had some land and stuff where we could ride and and then it evolved into building a track and then um then i got older and then i kind of worked on my own tracks and bikes and things like that so um but i just i love dirt bikes man that's that's all i could say i love racing uh uh it's in my blood gotcha so that was kind of the natural progression for you is like Hey, these are my buddies. They're all FMX riders or whatever. And you're like, okay, let's, let's get them on. Let's get them, um, sporting the product. So that, that totally makes sense. Did you do Supercross then? No, no, I didn't. Um, unfortunately I never had the chance to, uh, to turn professional, uh, in motocross or anything like that. But, um, I had a, I had a pretty decent, uh, amateur racing career and now I'm, uh, and I'm almost 40 now. So, uh, I'm more of a, a fun and kind of trophy hunter and experience chaser. Some of the stuff that I never got to do when I was younger. That's kind of some of the stuff I slide into my schedule a little here and there. Yeah, of course. Where, where do you usually hunt and what do you hunt? Um, you can see behind me here. Uh, I got a bear from mammoth. Uh, so, um, I think next on the bucket list is probably, I would, I would like, I would like to work really hard. I would love to try to podium and it's stacked in the 40 class. Those guys are so fast. I mean, 
Yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, the, the top 20 guys are so fast, you know, and then you can never count out guys like Mike Brown or Kevin Walker. Those guys are just absolute savages on a bike. Yeah. Um, I would like to, I'd probably like to go back to mini O's. I blew my knee out of mini O's last year. So oh, gotcha. um, I'm, I'm recovering from knee surgery now. And, uh, so probably mini O's I think is probably on the bucket list too. So maybe do well there. And I don't know, that's probably all I got for now. We'll 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 see what happens uh, in the future. Yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Get a little bit of a little bit of that. Um, what kind of have you learned through working this action sports role as like the director? Um. <laughs> well, uh, one of the things I could probably say, in all honesty, I have access to a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, I get, I get so much more stuff from the industry than I ever did as a racer, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh, and don't get me wrong. I love it. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm very yeah, grateful. But when I see guys, you know, uh, like Jerry Robin, when I see guys like Cheyenne Harmon and Jeff Walker and some of those guys that struggle to kind of make ends meet and things like that, it's kind of, it's kind of gut wrenching too from my side of things where I see those guys, they work so hard and then, you know, it's just such a, it's such a tough road for them. And like, I, it it kind of breaks my heart because I feel like in some ways I suck up a little, just a tiny little bit of that budget, right. Where some of those dudes who really work really hard. I mean, like I said, I'm just a a weekend warrior trophy hunter now. Right. And, but I'm absorbing a little bit of that budget and those guys don't, they don't get it. They don't have those, you know, those opportunities or those doors get closed on them all the time. And it's, uh, and I feel for them. And that's something where being a pure con and kind of being outside the industry, I, I try to, um, I try to form um, meaningful relationships in, in, in connected relationships with all my athletes. You know, um, I, I look forward to my monthly calls with my guys. I pretty much catch up with most everybody every month. I mean, I have, yeah. Um, I can tell you like most of my athletes have become my friends, guys like Brian Fox. Like, he's one of the best BMX riders in the world. And he is just such a rad, awesome person. Um, and I love helping him out. But the other cool part is that guys that have flaws in the program and things like that, that's also something that we try to help connect. Right. So we try to, if somebody has a, is something missing from their program, one guy doesn't have a boot deal or a gear deal or a helmet deal we try to push some buttons and try to facilitate as much as we can to help them grow. Um, because most sponsors, right. They think that, um, they think it's all about them. Right. And, and it's one of the biggest, the biggest frustrations I've had as a, as a racer, um, for the industry. Right. And I'm really lucky. I work with some of the awesomest people in the industry and they're, they're so, um, generous and, and, and good hearted. Right. But there's other companies that think it's all about them. Right. And so they, you know, you need to appear here, you need to do magazine shoots, you need to do this, you need to do that. And yet there's not enough given back to the athlete to ensure that they succeed. Right. Yeah. And so we view it backwards. So, and that's how I see it. It's like, okay, I have to give these guys every tool and every opportunity to succeed because for me, unless an athlete is winning X games as a gold medal or he wins a, uh, an outdoor national or super cross or, you know, whatever, I don't win until they're on, on the podium. 
That's how yeah. I view it. Like it's not a win for us, right? But it's an investment, right? So we invest heavy into our, you know, into our athletes and their programs um, to just make it happen uh, for those guys. You know, um, you know, Curtis Downs, uh, ex um, Nitro Circus BMX guy, awesome, yeah. awesome. Become become just really good friends with him. He's such a good dude. But he's like, hey man, I, I do you know anybody that could like get me some knee pads? And I was like, what? I'm like. You don't have like it would blow your mind. One of those guys can't get a set of knee pads from anybody, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's things like that where we try to go above and beyond just sponsorship in in dollars. We we try to really help fill out their program so they have everything they need to succeed. Yeah. Wow. Because I've really I was talking to Jared McNeil the other day, and he sure. was talking about how like COVID had been really, really hard on him just mentally and like for the budget. And when you don't have those shows that are bringing in money, it's just like really hard for him to like make ends meet. And he didn't get invited to anything. And he was just like really down on himself until like we had that uh, Deadwood all in show. So, so I found that really interesting thinking from the outside perspective, you, you see these guys and you think that they're like making the big bucks, obviously like they're, they're professionals. They're doing this professionally. It was really interesting for me to find out that that's not really exactly how it is behind the scenes. No, no, it's not. Um, you'd be surprised at a lot of what these guys don't make. Right. And I mean, yeah. from, I mean, to be really honest, there's probably only, I would say ta. I would say there's like eight, maybe four fifty guys making like a really good living. Yeah, and I would say there's maybe maybe five two fifty guys making a, a decent living. And outside of that, everybody is they're they're searching for that that opportunity. They're searching for that paycheck. And you know, a lot of those guys are they struggle to make it. You know, um, they they're not necessarily paycheck to paycheck, but the yeah. risk versus reward just certainly isn't there by, by sports, uh, by sports standards. Yeah. But they, they can't really make, they get an injury and it's like, they can't hardly facilitate that a lot of the time. Oh no, you, you get hurt. And I mean, uh, look at me. Right. So I, I've been out the last six months with, a, you know, a knee injury, right. I can't do much and I'm not even a professional. Right. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm itching to get back and, and, and go racing and do that stuff. Right. But imagine being somebody like a Jared McNeil, you know, you break your leg or your ankle or, or something. Right. And, and it's eight weeks off the bike, but then it's eight weeks off the bike that you're not working on your tricks. You're not working on your routine for X games. You're not, uh, you're not jumping shows. You're not doing any of that stuff. Um, and, and it's, it becomes really hard. And then you throw something like COVID in the mix and just shows are canceled. And, and, you know, we, we've seen, um, we've, we've seen just absolute chaos throughout, throughout the industry. I mean, from, uh, from monster trucks to supercross to, I mean, the outdoors last year, people were, they didn't know whether they should go or whether they shouldn't, you know, concerts yeah. were down. Like you saw it ripple through everything. You know, music industry took a, an enormous hit um, just because of, you know, concerts and things like that too. Yeah. Because concerts are where the music industry actually makes money because it's interesting because my, uh, my sister is a singer songwriter. So she does a lot of that kind of stuff. So she definitely noticed the hit that came from just all of her friends too, were just like not being able to make any money because they just like couldn't perform shows and stuff because they weren't happening. So I'm also just kind of wondering what you have seen 
or what you have heard from people during COVID that you found surprising? Well, um, I, I think everybody kind of handled it a bit differently, right? I mean, we saw like from writing your companies, it, they kind of all took a different stance on it. They and and it all had to do with where you know where their products were manufactured, right? Or whether they were importing them, making them domestically. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that uh, surprised me was the uh, was the sales of motorcycles and the sales of riding gear. Uh, like our sport exploded, right? And yet, with all of that being said, we are still feeling the ripples of it, even though we had record sales of motorcycles and everything else. But the problem is, is that you can't find any of it now, right? You oh, go to yeah. a, you go to a dealer, you go to a dealer, and they have no bikes on the showroom, right? They can't get new ones. They sold everything they had. A lot of times they they can't get motocross gear. It's selling faster. You couldn't, I mean, it took me seven months to get parts for my, for, I got a KLX 110. I've been slowly restoring. Um, yeah. And it took me seven months to get parts for that. Yeah. So with all this, all this, all the, the, the record sales, but the problem was, is they were selling everything they had and not producing new stuff because nobody was in the factories. So there's this huge shortage of so many different things and it's stuff you wouldn't even think, right. You know, um, riding gear was riding gear was really scarce and uh um some of the riding gear deals that are happening right now that i've been i can't really talk about but I, that i've been privy to some of the conversations and things yeah. like that some of the stuff going on in the industry it would shock you at some of the shortcomings by by those guys and b- between them and the teams and some of the stuff that's happening it's it's really kind of opened my eyes as to how just fragile it could be right yeah. like like as a from an economic standpoint it's you 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 turn one thing off and then it just chain reacts through it and ripples uh, and creates this huge one ripple becomes a wave is kind of essentially yeah. what happens yeah that's how it has seemed is like if one thing goes down it kind of just takes out the rest of the industry and there's a lot of things that like say like riders get unsponsored and stuff like that because they just like can't facilitate paying them or wh- whatever um, as far as that goes, I'm sure you've seen some of that. Um, where do you guys, as far as Pure Canna, where do you guys make your product? And uh, do you guys ship worldwide? Uh, no, right now we're we're only sold domestically uh, here in the U.S. Um, so, and then it kind of varies with states, you know, state to state. Um, I'm not completely up on all of that because it's not necessarily one of the things I kind of dabble in. One yeah. of the hats I don't wear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, like, uh, for example, like Utah, um, I don't think you can even ship CBD there. Right? You can't sell or ship CBD there. Um, and then, you know, places like Canada, Canada, they want, they don't have a problem with CBD, but they don't want it imported. They, every, in Australia, same way. It's got to be made domestically in Canada or Australia. They don't want it coming in uh, with intent to sell or distribute. And they, they take it pretty serious. Apparently there's... Um, uh, I've heard from athletes, like right when you get to customs, it's like, Hey, you have to basically check in your CBD, um, when you get there to make sure that you're not like, there's no intent to sell or distribute. Um, really? yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy actually. Cause being kind of the new market that it is and all these places legalizing marijuana and it kind of being oddly classified with marijuana, it's kind of, um, I'm sure it's been interesting to see how sales have gone. Yeah, COVID, I think, was, it was really kind of strange on everybody. Like, for us, 
Um, we didn't necessarily, I would say we played it a little on the safe side and we saw some guys go all in and we saw some guys back way out. We saw, I mean, basically between January, well, January one of 2020, there was like a, what was it? 2,400 registered CBD companies in the U S and by June of 2020. So six months into 2020, yeah. 600 companies closed up. Wow. Just in the first six months of 2020 because of COVID. And I'm not even sure what the current number is a year later. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it hit some companies really, really hard. Um, we just kind of pulled back and just kind of stayed steady. Um, we saw a small decline in sales, nothing crazy. Um, but now things are kind of ramping back up with, uh, some of, uh, some of the Delta eight stuff that's coming out now. And, and we, we're marketing some of that. Um, so we're, we're seeing huge sales with Delta eight and some yeah. of our new products coming too. So, um, looks like it's on the rebound now. Yeah. For, uh, anybody that doesn't know the whole Delta eight variant thing, can you explain that a little bit? That I am not part of the scientific part of that, uh, oh, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, the, the kind of the, the, how would I explain this? You are essentially from a development point and, and don't quote me on this, but it basically, it's just this side of marijuana. So you're getting more benefits of the plant. Um, but can you ca- can you catch a high from it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, but it helps with recovery. It helps with sleep, anxiety, stress because of the additional properties of the plant. Um, but it, again, you got to remember, this isn't like, like the seventies anymore. Like this, everything's certified organic. Everything is lab tested. Everything is purity tested. It's to make, there's no herbicides, pesticides. Like we, we keep all that stuff. Our, our stuff is, I believe we're one of like 11 companies in the U S that actually extracts with low temp CO2, um, which is what's keeping our purities really high, but it's also super expensive too. And it's unfortunately reflected in our pricing, but it's where we kind of draw the line between a premium brand and quote, like a gas station brand. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's what happens is, you know, people go, oh, well, I, you know, I tried CBD. It doesn't work. Like, well, where'd you buy it? Oh, I bought it at a gas station. And they're just like, ooh, yeah. like, well, yeah, like, what well, was like $40? Like, why is your stuff, you know, over here, it's the same stuff. I'm like, it's not even, it's not actually not even close, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because let's be honest, there's nothing healthy sold at a gas station. No, absolutely nothing. No. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all junk food. Um, I think probably the healthiest thing there is maybe water or Gatorade. Like that's probably <laughs> yeah. that's as close as you get really. Um, it is. you know, and so that, that's the hard part is to get people to understand that not, unfortunately not all CBD is created equal because the laws don't allow for it either. They, yeah. you know, we have up to 0.3%, uh, THC. Uh, where our stuff is only at 0.02%. We're 15 wow. times below the legal limit. That's great. Right? Yeah. So you're getting just enough um, because the THC is actually an activator for the CBD. Mm-hmm. So when you get, um, for the guys that aren't really up on this, there's isolate, there's broad spectrum, and there's full spectrum. And so uh, 
for example, a lot of my competitors, um, they go for the isolate route, which is 0% THC. And it is essentially the purest form of CBD you can get. But a lot of people claim it doesn't work. And the reason behind that is that there is no THC to actually activate. And that yeah. is kind of where you got to kind of play, you got to kind of play with it a little bit and find the sweet spot. Um, you know, but it's perfect because there's zero tolerance for military, fire, police, rescue. Like they can't have any THC in. So it's a perfect route for those guys, um, especially like with topicals and things like that. It works awesome. Um, like even for us, like our topicals don't have any THC in them. Yeah. Um, to try to to try to market towards those uh, those kind of needs and those customers. So um, there's there's so much to it. Um, and that's kind of one of the biggest parts of my job is to help educate the public and the athletes on how to use CBD and, and when to take it and why. And so um, not just the public in general, but then I coach the athletes and I work with all them. So I build out their programs and I, f- I finalize their dosages and say, Hey, you, you need this based on, you know, your height and body weight and diet. And so, and everybody is a little different. Um, yeah. so there's no way one size fits all. It's just something that you kind of have to experiment with, but I think we got it down pretty dang close. Uh, not quite a science, but pretty close. Yeah. How, how do you go about telling somebody what they should be taking and how much they should be taking? Like what is, well, what do you look at? Well, it's, it's height, weight, diet, um, you know, a percentage of body fat. Right. Um, and then you got to, you got to kind of factor in tolerance too. Like does, I mean, we'll be really honest. There's some athletes out there that are regular marijuana users that, and yeah. that's fine. So, um, so what I do is I would say, okay, Hey, like if you're taking oil drops, right. Um, you should be taking them in, in the afternoon or evening. Right. Cause especially for our stuff, there's a little bit of THC in it. Yeah. And so as we all know, THC is a downer. It slows you down. So say, okay, if you want to unwind, you know, perfect, or take a little bit to help you sleep. Perfect. They, we have guys, um, excuse me, Brian, Brian Fox is a perfect example. Um, he tracks his sleep with his Garmin watch. And we found out that we have, uh, we have our melatonin, uh, infused CBD drops and he's doubling his amount of time in deep sleep every night using just that versus not. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's incredible. So he's, he's finding out that his recovery is, is way, way better. Right. So my, my advice is that, Hey, take the oil drops in the evening. Right. But yet we have, um, we have gummies that have no THC in them. So I was all right, Hey, take a gummy in the morning or take one post-workout because you can actually, um, you can notice the effects. They're almost as effective as a protein shake in recovery by reducing inflammation. That's one of the biggest things that it does reduces inflammation where a protein will help rebuild, you know, sore and torn muscles and things like that. Um, so I, for me, you know, be honest, uh, before this meeting, I actually was at the gym, uh, put my time in and, uh, I come home protein shake and, and a gummy and boom, I'm rocking and rolling. Nice. Um, Yeah. So if you got sore joints or muscles or things like that, that your topicals are pretty much as needed. Um, you know, it's those things I've been as it's kind of my job too, because of exactly what I do. Uh, I've been experimenting with the Delta eights and some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm not a marijuana user. 
So it's, it's a little weird. So I, I have a very, very low tolerance. Um, yeah. So I've been experimenting with the Delta eights and I'm almost about a quarter of our gummy. Like, yeah, it's right. not a lot. It's, it's a very tiny little cube. Um, and man, I don't, I hear nothing for eight hours. I'm out. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's kind of a, yeah. You, so that's kind of how you, you know, figure out a program and, you know, somebody with, um, somebody with a little more body fat, it can, CBD can either absorb faster and easier or their body may not recognize it and reject it too. Um, so you got to get their dosages. If you, if you take too much, your body will recognize it as a waste and pass it through. Um, but yet if you're having a, if you're having a hard time and you're drinking a lot of water, oil, oil and water don't mix. So the oil drops will sit on top of the water in your stomach and not absorb either. So, yeah. So I said, okay. So I have friends that, Hey, you know, we're not noticing anything. I says, try eating just a little piece of bread, like a corner of a, a piece of toast or something. And it'll absorb it and carry it right through. And they're like, oh my gosh, that completely changed it. Like, now I sleep awesome. So there's a lot of little tips and tricks and it's, and it's per case. So I work really closely with all the athletes to, uh, to make sure their programs are completely dialed. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's crazy. Kind of how, how much it is just like each personal case is a lot different. I think it's interesting how um, CBD can really affect different people different ways. And um, just finding the right product for everybody is really important. Um, what do you usually tell people to start with to kind of find what they should be taking? Um, well, so for example, I start most everybody with a thousand milligram oil, um, which is perfect for, for, for help with sleep and stress anxiety. But the reason I start them there is that it's scalable. Right. So you can either take more or take less and it's real easy to find your range. So if somebody's like, Hey, I'm, I, you know, I took, I took half of an eyedropper and that's like perfect for almost everybody. Um, yeah, I have, uh, I have a couple athletes that are like, Hey, I have a higher tolerance. So they take three quarters or a full eyedropper. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things. So I say, Hey, like take, take, take a half. And if your dreams are getting very surreal and I'm like, take a little less, if you're not, no if you're not noticing anything, either try a little piece of bread or take a little more and then say, okay, yeah, you know, I usually start them out with some topicals for muscle soreness and aches and pains. And, uh, and usually a body, bottle of gummies. That's, that's pretty standard. I, I have, those are like my four go-to products yeah. uh, for our athletes. Gotcha. Um, for people who are hesitant to get into CBD and don't understand really what CBD can do different than other medications, uh, what do you usually tell them and, uh, what do you usually recommend? Um, so everybody kind of has, to be really honest, a lot of people is, you know, me coming up on 40, right. So I'm probably just. I'm probably just on this side of like understanding it. Right. I would say anybody that's probably over 45, probably a little closer to 50 are still like the old drug commercial. Right? Like this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Right. And, and like yeah. they still push that really heavy. And so, you know, when I explain it to him and I says, Hey, this is not necessarily, this is like, you're going to get stoned. Like this, this is an extract of the plant. And so you're taking all the medicinal benefits of it without essentially getting high. And they're like, oh, okay. But you have enough people that have gone so long where they don't sleep. They haven't been getting good sleep for years. 
and things like that, that we're getting a lot of people in that 45, 50, and even above 50 now that are starting to go, well, you know, back in the seventies, I used to smoke, you know, I used to smoke, you know, about behind the high school or whatever. And so yeah, <laughs> they're kind of like, well, now, you know, my kids are grown and, and I can kind of, I don't have to worry about my kids judging me or me setting a bad example. And this is kind of a, kind of a safe alternative. So with that mindset, they kind of roll into it and they start trying it. And when they try it, they're like, wow, like what else do you have? And then, yeah. right. So it, it's, it gets the ball rolling, but the majority of them are, is uh, they're sleep deficient. That's, that's one of the biggest things I see with anybody older. Yeah. Cause the, the people that I'm kind of thinking about is, is people like my parents' age. Because my parents have really, they really just don't understand it. But I think it really helped them because there's lots of benefits for CBD as far as like arthritis and sleep and and just those things when you're getting a little bit older that can happen and just like hurt. And I think that CBD has a lot of benefits there. So um, there's lots of people that just like don't want to even like look at it because they just associate it with just getting high. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's one of the biggest, the biggest fights that we have, honestly, is, is educating people and say, Hey, like, this isn't like something where you are going to all of a sudden be wearing, you know, tie dye shirts and you're going to go full Rastafarian, you know, like, you, you know, it's, it's yeah, not going to be exactly. one of those things. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a safe, it's a, it's a very safe alternative. Um, and so that's, one of the biggest hurdles that I have in my job is just educating the public and, and just getting them to at least try it because 90% of the time, if they try it, they usually come back and they're, they're hooked on it. Right. And not that I really, not that I, I particularly push just our brand. Like yeah. I just try to generate, I just try to feed everybody the info, right. So they can make an educated decision. So if they know the difference between, you know, uh, um, full spectrum and broad spectrum and isolate, you know, uh, and how it's extracted, I mean, there's, you can extract with uh, hexane, which is a flammable compound. Uh, you can extract it with ethanol, which, you know, we know it, it's derived from corn, but it's still an additive to gasoline. Yeah. And, but when you extract them with hexane or ethanol, you can produce twice as much CBD for half the price, right? Oh, and okay. that's where you're finding your gas station brands, right? That's why we call them gas station brands is it's cheap. And then what happens is, is that when it's extracted, the hexane and the uh, ethanol stays with the CBD. And then um, they end up having to, what we say is flash it off. They have to basically boil it and cook it to release it as like a vapor or a gas uh, from the CBD. And that's what's happening is that you're, there's trace amounts of hexane and ethanol that will never completely get out. And it's what's keeping your purity level down. And that's why a lot of people are like, oh, I've tried it and it didn't work, right? And so I believe, like I said, uh, um, last I checked, which was probably... That's been a while, but there was, like I said, it's, it's been a while, but about 11 companies are extracting with low temp CO2, which is, it's carbon dioxide. It's the air we breathe out. Yeah. So that's the only way to keep it, you know, uh, safe, effective and organic. So are you kind of like dry icing it then? Um, kind of, it, it, essentially you're, you're kind of, um, my understanding of the process is that it's basically, um, 
uh, it's pressurized and then kind of forced through screens is kind of how you're like oh, you're extracting gotcha. it more or less right in, in in that regard so cool. think of it more like as a as a press if you will gotcha okay that makes sense yeah um i'm kind of interested in your thoughts on like the action sports industry and the fact that like how do you see fmx and bmx and and all those things kind of growing or do you see them kind of stagnant at the moment like what have you seen growing up in the industry and recently through all your like action sports director roles well um i can hands down say without a doubt that i've lived through probably the most exciting time in i would say action sports history because you know, I got to see the progression of the backflip on a motorcycle, the double backflip with Travis, right? Like yeah. we got to see Nitro Circus evolve, right? We got to see so many things that were never thought possible, even, you know, early 80s, early 90s. We, we got to see the progression of it. And so now what's happening is that we have be kind of almost become limited because there's so, it's been pushed so far. Right. I mean, we have Axel Hodges with the alley oop on the quarter pipe, which is insane. Yeah. Right. And we have Tyler Berriman, who's just throwing the craziest turnups and turndowns right now. And it can only just go just so far where it kind of runs out. Right. And yeah. Travis has tried to bring, you know, Pastrana's tried to bring it up with Nitro Circus. They started, you know, making ramps that allow front flips and some of that stuff. But it, there, at somewhere, at some point, I think we're getting close to it, that the progression of it is slowing down and you're seeing it in viewership and you're seeing it in just the fans. You know, uh, I was at a freestyle show. Um, I was at actually I sponsor a freestyle team, the USFMX team um, by Pirkana. And, you know, I was at one of the shows working an event. I, there was a seven year old kid standing next to me and, and he's like, do a double backflip. And I'm like, holy cow i'm like there's only maybe two or three guys in the whole world that can do this and you know and it's it, the the fans are just so jaded by it and yeah. and it's because we've we've grown up seeing travis do this crazy stuff and so it's it's hard uh yeah. and i feel for the athletes guys like jared mcneil are just they're insanely talented and and, you know, Tyler Berriman and, you know, and our, the USFMX team. I mean, we have, we have Brody Wilson, we have James Carter who have all medaled at X games and the guys are incredible at what they do. And there's some of the, there's still some of the best riders in the world. And, and to have a little kid like that, and I'm just like, yeah. man, like uh, it, it was kind of gut wrenching to hear uh, from my side of things is that yeah. that's where we are as a culture. And that's where the bar is set. Yeah, and, and that's unfortunate because what we're going to see is we're going to see a decline in TV viewership and we're going to see a decline in, uh, you know, probably invites. And, you know, I think the invites are getting tighter and tighter because there's only just so many guys that are willing to push themselves that far. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Travis, you know, Travis is, is getting older. Travis is about my age um, and you just can't perform at that level anymore. And there's not really, there's not much coming behind them because there's not much left to do. That's the yeah. problem. So the, the next generation of riders, you're, you're seeing Tyler Berriman, you're seeing Axel Hodges and, uh, 
you know, I, the only up and coming kid, I think right now is probably like a Christian dresser. Um, you know, somebody, you know, like him, great kid. And, uh, you know, man, I don't even Christians, I think 19. Right. And so like, he's, he's the only one I see that's really there to kind of take the reins, but we're kind of, unfortunately, I think we're going to witness almost the death of it, you know, in the next, you know, five to 10 years. Jeez. Yeah. That kind of makes sense though. Cause you see, I've been watching a lot of Axel stuff and he's taken a lot from BMX because he used to be a BMX rider. So mm-hmm. he takes a lot of the manual stuff and the nose manuals and like the backflips to like manuals, which are insane on yeah. FMX, which is like mind blowing. But there's going to have to be either there's going to have to be innovation somehow in like some kind of way. But I don't know if X Games is going to fall out if it's going to be nitro world games if they're going to like be another kind of competition it's we're at this weird spot right now especially for uh motorcycles so yeah and and that's why you're seeing a lot of guys doing you know shows and things things like that right because they know that you know it's so the the fans are so jaded at like say x games and the viewership is just not there and so, you know, for, for the average Joe, it's awesome to go see these guys who are X games level guys go out and, and perform a show right there in their hometown. So these riders are finding, you know, essentially life afterwards and they're making a great living and, you know, the risk and everything isn't there. They don't have to go out and kill themselves in the heat and train and do all this stuff like they used to. Yeah. Right. And, and I've, I feel for the, for the current crop of guys, guys like, you know, um, like Christian dresser. I feel for like wanky. I, I feel, I feel for those dudes that are still crushing it and pushing themselves. Jared McNeil is still, you know, Tom Parsons, Tom's, Tom's a good friend of mine. Those guys are still crushing it. And, you know, but it, they're kind of seeing that like, Hey, I got to start kind of evolving to something different. Because yeah. it's it, you know they're already they're feeling the decline. I mean, and when there's no TV viewership, and when there's no uh, there's you know if X Games ever goes away from Moto, wh- how are they going to make a living? There's there's no sponsorship dollars because there's no TV time. Yeah. So you know, so these guys are 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 finding other roads, and it's like, well, hey, if I go and work twenty six weeks of the year and do shows for you know twenty six weekends. I can make a great living. I'm promoting all my sponsors across the U S and you know, there's less risk. They're jumping to airbags now, which are incredible. Um, so it's, 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 you know, and they're transportable. So they're not dumping dirt and, you know, a parking lot or any goofy stuff like that. It's a quick, man. I think those guys set up in, they set up in less than an hour, tear down in an hour. Yeah. And you know, it, it's a pretty awesome thing to see just watching the setup and how they have it down to such a science, how they roll out the bag, how they inflate it, um, you know, and it, it protects the riders and, and gives them a, uh, an awesome kind of uh, afterlife in the sport, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Cause it, it can allow you to wreck and maybe not die. So, <laughs> cause yeah, I, 
I don't really know that much about FMX, honestly, and I've learned a lot this last year just being um, being friends with James Carter because he uh, yeah. he lives here in Rapids, so um, I got to meet him and talk to him a bit, and he's just an awesome dude. So like, just talking to him and learning about FMX through a lot of you guys, um, it's really it's crazy to me. It just doesn't make sense. So so it's awesome, and and I'm glad that uh, I'm able to reach out to you guys and talk to you guys because it's it's really enlightening for like an industry like mine. Cause like I'm a scooter rider. So like, I'm kind of new in the, the game that way. And I've kind of seen the birth of my sport and like looking at yours and the path that yours has taken and like BMX or skate. It's like trying to figure out where we might go next or where we might fit in um, has been really, really interesting. What do you think is going to happen in the next few years with action sports um i would say without without some heavy innovation uh i think you're just i don't think you're going to just see a, a cut and dry just split but i think you're going to see a slow decline to be really honest and, and as much I, I hate it as a fan because i'm a diehard motorcycle fan I, and yeah. bicycles like i can't ride a bmx bike or skateboard to save my life i'm terrible yeah and i barely get down the mountain snowboarding <laughs> um, you know, uh, and it, it's terrible to, to witness it firsthand and, uh, because I, I absolutely love it, but I, I think without some heavy innovation from either, you know, somebody's going to have to design something where they can start innovating new tricks, but that's what I think is beautiful about this, this, the, uh, the scooter industry, right? Like it comes yeah. along. I have no idea how you guys even have ankles or knees left, but, um, I, yeah. <laughs> I see how you, how you guys jump some crazy stuff. I, I have no idea, but the innovation is is there in Scooter. And I think that's what makes it so exciting. I, I think it's awesome uh, to see the Scooter industry coming along um, in that route. And uh, I, I think it's going to blow up uh, as far as the Scooter stuff. Yeah. Um, there's eight-year-old kids ripping like, you know, uh, backflips and just, just crazy stuff on, yeah. on Scooters already. And and it's it's absolutely impressive. So the innovation is there, but I think we've we've hit the tipping point of that with dirt bikes already. And you know now you're kind of seeing some of it with you know um, skateboarding a little bit. I wouldn't say I think skate is still huge. Um, I, big air is is absolutely gnarly. It is um, those guys that do that, but there's there's still a lot of innovation left there. That can happen by, you know, BMX, I think is there for big air and dirt. Um, I think there's a lot of room left. Just unfortunately, like I said, I think the dirt bike market, I think we've already seen the best of the best and it's, it's going to be really hard to top what's already been done. I think that hopefully through people being introduced to action sports through scootering that the other action sports will be able to grow because I think that just kids being introduced because scootering is definitely it's a little bit easier as far as the learning curve is concerned so it's really easy to learn like a tail whip and a bar spin and the 360 and all like those basic tricks to get you into it and then after that people can switch to skate bmx fmx like it's just getting kids into the sport and the innovation and tricks that come from scooters are very unique um, as far as what you can do so there's been lots of people doing weird stuff on bmx bikes that are like scooter tricks originally um, and maybe that'll cross over to FMX too. Like there's always that possibility, which would lead to a lot of interesting, new, exciting tricks happening. So there's always that possibility, 
but um i think there is a lot of growth and i think there is a lot of possibility through social media it might not be the same platforms that it used to be as far as like x games and um monster events and and supercross and stuff like that but people like axel hodges are doing a great job with social media marketing so that's just where everything seems to be going so that's the innovation that's gonna need to happen so yeah absolutely like i said without some heavy innovation you know for like the dirt bike market that's just where i yeah i see it but yet for a scooter or a skateboarder right like there's the investment to get into the sport is so is so minimal compared to a dirt bike right i mean you got to yeah. go it's ten thousand dollars to go buy a dirt bike right now if you can find one right yeah. and then you know and then oh my gosh well i need a set of gear and i mean by the time you buy boots and everything you, you've blown you know dang near 1500 bucks between a decent helmet decent set of boots and gear right one set of gear by the way yeah and then okay cool and then they got to learn to ride and then, you know, figure out and then they got to still progress. And it's years into learning freestyle and, you know, uh, tricks like that. It's, it, it, it's such a steep learning curve and the expense to get there is, is so massive versus, you know, skating. I mean, man, I'm not even sure what a decent skateboard runs these days, but I imagine it's probably near 150 bucks or something. Right. Uh, you know, exactly. there you go. And so, you know, uh, versus like even BMX, I mean, Oh my gosh, dude! Uh, by a, just a BMX frame, I think right now is like a solid six hundred bucks for a decent one, right? Yep. So you know you could burn, you could blow an easy eight hundred to a thousand bucks for kind of a middle of the road kind of starter bike for you know a BMX for a kid to go ride, you know, park with. And so even then, I mean that's that's a big spend for you know mom and dad, especially you know during COVID, people lost their jobs and and you know people got furloughed and you know we can. The, the stimulus checks help some, but I mean, for a thousand, for mom and dad to go drop a thousand bucks. So, you know, little Johnny can learn to BMX. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I, I'm learning to play golf and I was blown away at what a set of golf clubs cost. Oh yeah. Golf is so expensive. You, you know? Um, but Hey, you could go finish eighth or 80th at, you know, some golf tournament and you can make decent money. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you there is no 80th place for the outdoors, right? That guy went home and lost money, right? Yeah. I mean, even the guy, you know, I'd be willing to bet, man, if you finished outside the top 20 in the 450 class, and if you had to drive probably more, I would say, if you had to drive more than, say, five hours, you probably lost money on the weekend, right? Yeah. And so, and that's brutal, right? After spending, you know, the aforementioned costs to get into it. Uh, that's that's a big big spend and yeah. i think that's why like i think that's what's awesome about scootering is in skateboarding is it's still it's still relevant because people can still afford to go do it you know and yeah. mom and dad are like all right cool like hey you can go learn to skate and if you're not into skating you know okay what i, I lost 150 dollars and a pair of shoes maybe like big deal yeah but little okay. johnny gets hurt you know and decides he doesn't want to ride anymore well okay there's you know I mean, gosh, it's, I think it's like five grand for 65 nowadays. Jeez. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, little Johnny just decides he doesn't want to ride and here's mom and dad. We're like, okay, well now I maybe sell the bike for three if I'm lucky. And what am I going to do with this gear? I just spent, you know, 1500 bucks in gear. I got to throw that out. Like, yeah, it's really hard. 
And, yeah. and that's, and that's where the struggle is. Unless the parents are into it, it's a hard investment to, for them to take. Yeah, absolutely. And with the whole like metal militia and, and stuff like that and d- custody dirt demons, um, that's what I was thinking of. That kind of brought a lot of people into it mm-hmm. with Travis and all that stuff. But now it's just kind of like hard. I totally see that. So, um, yeah. And I think like, I think some of the, some of the beauty of what's happening too is the like monster and Red Bull and Rockstar are now putting window stickers like up at the gas stations and things like that. And they're trying to draw in, you know, outside people to the sport, you know, of, of motocross, which is great. And I mean, um, you know, Mountain Dew did an awesome job, you know, probably late nineties, early two thousands. They were, they were really big with it, especially like Dew Tour and things like that. There was, I mean, that was awesome to see uh, outside companies investing heavy into action sports to, to drive it. And it, and it elevated the competition, right? We saw, I mean, goodness, we saw, uh, some of the best skateboarders come come through we saw some of the best bmx guys come through in those eras yes for sure right? and uh and now you know social media is blown up to the point where there's so much content like people are are basically in my opinion they're kind of almost bored with it already right we're 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 fed this constant stream of exciting new things right like you don't even have to you don't have to watch the outdoors you could literally catch it on everybody's instagram nowadays and their stories yep. like oh if you know somebody that's there like you basically got to see the race for free yeah and, exactly right so um you know and, and it's hard because a lot of those companies are getting away from you know outright sponsorships and they're, they're driving more towards social media sponsorships and and I, and i'm guilty of this right because it's my job to look at people's social media and to follow it and and, and keep it on track right but I catch myself doing it all the time. Somebody goes, Oh, I'm holding this product. You should buy this. And I don't care. I don't care what they're holding. I scroll right past it. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Right. But Hey, you, you show me the new Husqvarna's that are coming out. I'm zooming in and I'm looking at it. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it we're fed this constant stream of inf- information and it, it gets so diluted out. Um, and I, I think they're, I think there almost needs to kind of be a reset with social media as well. Just um, I think there actually needs to be better content and less of it. So it it keeps it kind of fresh. And that's kind of where I am with the action sports Instagram uh, for pure is that it's a little less content, but I want it to be solid content and good content and meaningful or, you know, something downright exciting. So um, I'm pushing really hard for that. Cause I'm probably a little old for the curve, but I'm pretty burnt out of social media, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I have more interest in working with really good, you know, uh, down to earth people, you know, like Curtis Downs, Brian Fox, Christian Dresser, James Carter, Jared LaRue, TJ Tiffany, those guys, um, you know, Brody Wilson, these guys are all awesome, solid dudes. I don't care how many, I don't care how many followers they have. Yeah. I, I really don't. As long as, as long as they're, in their contract or they're meeting their obligations for social media posts and things like that. I don't care how many followers they have. They have, that's, they're just good people. Right. And by being a good person, they're representing your brand always. And that is important. Right. And so I, I don't like doing 
short-term deals with anybody. I want to work with solid people. Like, yeah. I don't, uh, and that's just me, right? I, I'm, I'm a seven-year-old kid, like, oh, I'll do a double backflip because I've done it so long that I'm pretty jaded by it. I don't care how, how many races you want. I don't care about X Games medals. Like, I, I want to work with good people. Uh, yeah. and, and that's, and that to me is what builds a brand and, and that's what lasts, you know, when, you know, an athlete is signing hats and taking time and, and, you know, taking pictures with little kids, that's huge, right? Like, oh, that guy was so nice. He's so cool. But, you know, there, there's that old saying, like, you never want to meet your heroes. Right. And, yeah. and so, right. And so when you have somebody that's, that's that good with people, they always remember right. Versus somebody coming off the track and having a bad attitude or it's, it's always that one guy and it, it leaves a, a bad taste in their mouth. So, um, and that, that's just where we are is we just want to work with just really down to earth, solid people. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I have a couple more questions for you before, before we end. Sure. Um, what would you kind of tell yourself at 20? Like what advice would you give yourself at 20? <laughs> Um, huh, to be perfectly honest, um, don't get hurt as much. That'd probably be me. Yeah. <laughs> Break less bones. Um, you know, to be really honest for all the ups, downs, goods, and bads, uh, and, and this is just, it's my personal belief that we all, we all end up where we're supposed to be in life, right? Through, you call it chance, call it luck, you call it whatever you want, right? Like, I believe you got to work hard for everything you do, right? And, yeah. and there's, in life, you don't ever get what you owed or what you deserve. You only get what you negotiate. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the reality of it. So I don't think I would honestly change much. Um, I believe that I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is where I believe this is uh, not trying to really mix God, you know, religion and things like that. But I believe this is where God intended me to be. Yeah. Um, at least for right now. And I don't know what the future holds. It's, it's, it's in his hands. And um, I just know that I'm supposed to be where I am right now. Um, nice. Doing this podcast with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much for coming on, but uh the last question that usually people have to think a little bit about, and that's okay. And uh, I, I just like going here because it it really kind of gauges for me um, how different people think about like life. Um, but kind of what is your meaning of life? The meaning of life. Well... I think, to be honest, I mean, we're all going to die, right? Yeah. So for me, I try to get, now that I'm older and it's, you know, I didn't, I guess I probably didn't fully appreciate it when I was younger, but now that I'm, I'm a little bit older and smarter, and this has kind of been my go-to for probably the last eight or 10 years, right? Um, I try to enjoy as much of life as I can. Right. I try to, I try to hold on to all the experiences. So, you know, if I decide I want to go race a dirt bike, I put my all, I give it my all. I, I work hard. I train hard. I, I ride as much as I can. You know, I, I make sure everything's ready to go. And I, I do the same with my work. Um, 
you know, my personal life. Uh, if I'm going to do something, I work really, really hard for it. Um, but I think that we're not just supposed to kind of meander through life. I think we're supposed to enjoy it. And I think, I think a lot of people get kind of get their spirits crushed early in life and they don't know how to rebound from it and, and make the most of it. They just, they get sucked into a job and they're miserable. And then they wake up 30 years later and they're just like, I hate what I'm doing. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate this. I hate that. But they never stepped outside their comfort zone to, to make it happen or to, to grab a hold of the happiness that they should have. And so for me, I think just, you got to take the good with the bad, but I think you should just enjoy every single day. Um, and just, you know, give it your best because, Hey, if that opportunity ever comes up, you got to be prepared for it. Yeah. Awesome. I love that response. That was perfect. <laughs> well, I might have been a little know. drawn out, but no, uh, I never know what to expect when I ask that question. That's what I love about it. So <laughs> people take it so many different directions. But uh where where can we follow you? Um so I, I personally I actually run uh Purekana Action Sports Instagram page. Um so you can check us out there. You can uh you can follow our main page, which is kind of more dedicated to products and our influencers, uh, which is just Purekana. And then obviously our website, you can check out our complete list of products there um www.purekana.com p-u-r-e-k-a-n-a awesome sweet well thank you sean for coming on the podcast again thank you guys for listening to another episode i hope you guys enjoyed have a great rest of your day night evening whatever time it is for you and i will see you guys in the next one peace